Hi, I'm Randy. And I'm Claire. And you're listening to Killer Vibes, a true crime podcast. So we're talking today about the Dozier School for Boys in Florida, and this is part three. And I have just talked about the infamous White House, not the real White House, but this other White House (laughs) that's on this tiny, well, not really tiny. (laughs) It's pretty big. This 1,400-acre school, and inside the White House, some pretty horrible things are being done to the juvenile inmates that exist at this reform school. So I mentioned briefly that in the basement, a lot of the um, previous students that came forward in 2008, 2009 said that there was a rape room. And in that room, a lot of the um, some of the boys would be sexually abused and raped by some of the guards. Now, I just want to say that while a lot of the inmates were housed here, um, the violent offenders would also sexually assault a lot of the um, minor nonviolent offenders on this campus. This makes me want to throw up. Oh, my God. So I mentioned in the previous part that a lot of the nonviolent and violent offenders were mixed in with each other. They were housed in separate areas, so they slept in separate areas. But the minor offenders didn't have locked doors, and the the violent offenders did. So... They all interacted with each other and they all like encountered each other. And there were many cases where the older boys on the campus that were violent offenders would rape and assault a lot of the smaller kids, which is pretty terrible, which is why you need to separate out these offenders (laughs) because they're it's yeah anyway well that makes me sad that you would think that they would want to present a united front as like these victims of this institution but i also you know would be a little hesitant to blame them at at the same time because exactly it's a difficult sort of situation at this point you know and you shouldn't expose them to a whole bunch of vulnerable kids because that's not going to be good and they've all they've like watched the guards do it they Mm -hmm. think it's okay so yeah they're like this is fine these kids deserve it right and who's gonna argue with this rhetoric when it's being like told to you by authoritative figures exactly and plus the doors for the nonviolent offenders were not locked so like during the day these violent offenders could access all of these different dormitories yeah like it kind where these of kids are sleeping it seems like they were like oh we're gonna leave these unlocked because these aren't violent offenders and they should have more freedom but it yes, actually just to exposed go, them to yes because they violence. let the violent offenders walk around so it's pretty terrible So another man from the report that I mentioned, which is called For Their Own Good, um, his name is Troy Warren, said that one night he and a few other inmates were ordered by Terry Tidwell, who was the one of the um, guards who (laughs) regularly beat everyone. He only had one arm. That's a defining factor. His name kind of sounds like a like a villain's name. It kind of does a little bit. Terry Tidwell. Terry Tidwell. It has like that alliteration in there and everything. Um, But yeah, so Troy was taken by this guard and he was taken out to one of the graveyards and with a few other of his inmates and they were ordered to dig three graves. They were ordered with specific instructions to make the hole four inches deep and as wide as a body. So if any of you know how to dig a grave, four inches, four feet, sorry, is very shallow. Seven feet 
is the normal length. I'm like holding up my hands to like measure seven feet. It's not seven feet. It's like a foot. <laughs> um, but like seven feet is the normal depth of a grave site. And they're burying these bodies in unmarked graves without coffins four feet deep. So that's shorter than me. And they're only they're making them about as wide as a body. So that body could be exposed to a lot of different elements, which is why the bodies that were found um, by Dr. Kimmerly was because were like taken um, in like pieces all over the place was because they were exposed to the elements and they weren't properly put into a, a casket. So that's another indication that these graves were not properly looked after and whoever was buried there clearly didn't matter to the guards that were serving at this institution. Sorry, I like how you said four feet while describing it was shorter than you because <laughs> I think it's shorter than everyone. <laughs> well, yeah, but like I'm almost four foot 12. So yeah. I am five foot two. I know, it was just funny. <laughs> so it like, it would go up to like my mid waist. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd almost be as tall as this. But anyway, so one of the men named Ed Adams lived through the torture that was dueled out at the school. But in his adult life, he began to abuse antidepressants, and he eventually would stop eating entirely. He would write for hours about his experiences and eventually passed away due to the trauma that he was inflicting on himself. The pages of writing was added to this report to showcase the horrors of the school. Ed had two dying wishes um, that he scribbled away right before he passed, and it said first was to transfer the Elvis songs he recorded from cassette to compact disc— which is just, that just makes me want to cry. And then the other was to tell people how he had been abused at the Florida school for boys or um, dozer. They should sue the school for wrongful death. Honestly, the school no longer exists. They can't do it. They can still sue whoever is in charge of it. They can find someone. I don't know. <laughs> like find someone. Well, that's interesting. They can that sue Terry, one arm Terry. They tried. They tried. He's like 87. <laughs> um, okay. So. In 2009, the school failed its annual inspection and more allegations about the mistreatment of the inmates were starting to gain ground. In a report released by the U.S. Justice Department in 2010, around 11.3% of the boys who were surveyed at the school said that they had been victims of sexual abuse by the staff using force for the last 12 months. In 2010... How did this exist for so long? Because nobody was, like, paying attention, and nobody believed any of the boys that were getting involved. And a whole bunch of them would go on to commit further crimes and remain in prison. Yeah, and then, like, they just get continuously devalued. Yes. And so they couldn't— Society. They felt like they couldn't oh, speak out about it. This is it. so frustrating. Exactly. So another 10% said that they were abused without the use of force. Um, this abuse would also be associated with sexual abuse, but I'm not sure if that meant like consensual or not because they still use the word abuse. So I'm not really sure what the demographic exactly that they were depicting there was. But there's 10 percent is a lot to still have a, the name, the word abuse associated with it. Yeah, maybe it could be like mental abuse or like solitary confinement yep on steroids like exactly if you've ever seen or read about the stanford prison experiment yes there was part of that yes. where one of the inmates they're they're all like study, not, study yeah. participants yeah. but the was like locked in a teeny tiny closet for like a really long time and they like totally broke him 
Yes. By doing that. It's pretty tragic. But yeah, that would happen to these kids, I'm sure. So obviously, the release of the report by the White House boys, as they coined themselves, who wrote the um, For Their Own Good report in 2009, was not the first time that abuse was recorded at the school. So I thought we would look back at all of the different times that issues were recorded and nothing was done about it. Okay. Okay. So in literally 1903, which we talked about, the first report of abuse um, was recorded with the inspection report afterwards saying that the boys were being locked up with leg irons for no reason, including the tiny little five-year-olds who, I don't even know what they would do. Get them to be a teeny tiny. I know. I don't even want to think about it. It's so terrible. In the next 10 years of investigation, the school of the school, the state also found that some of the boys were hired as labor for convicts and were beaten senselessly all the time. What do you mean? So being hired out as labor. So they would basically like. No, I know what that means. But you said labor for convicts. Yeah. So um, they would send them off to do illegal labor for Uh, a whole bunch of illegal operations. Okay. That's fun. Um, In 1914, we would have the death of six students and two staff members in a fire. They were all trapped in a locked building because the superintendent was drunk in town and had locked them in. Um, He was fired, but no formal investigation was ever done. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. He was fired. (laughs) I don't know how he was let go. (laughs) Um, But yeah, he was let go and no formal investigation was ever done on to how the fire started or why these people were locked inside of this building. They were all buried on the grounds, though, in unmarked graves. Ta-da! Convenient. Yeah, isn't that great? The next two years saw the murder of two young inmates by some of the more violent offenders who were just allowed to walk around freely, like I said. Um, So they literally just, like, killed these two kids because that they were in there for murder or something worse. It was... Anyway... Um, everything was covered up by events where family members were allowed to come and see their kids during, like, Christmas time. And everything looked totally fine. Like, they decked the school out with a whole bunch of decorations. They made it look like the boys were, like, involved in all these arts and sure, crafts yeah. and, like, school <laughs> and stuff. Um, so that's great. I'm not really sure what the visitation rights were at the reform school, but I'm sure they were extremely limited considering how many unmarked graves there currently are on this property. And nobody has really come forth to say like, oh, I don't know where my kid is. Um, so, or maybe they are and they're just not getting yeah, anywhere. Yeah, they're just like not getting any we of the information. About earlier. Or like the families no longer are concerned about that person, that member of their family, because a lot of them that are buried there could be from the 20s. They could be from the 30s. They could be from the 1910s. <gasps> oh my gosh. Yeah. There's a variety of decades that we could go into. So in addition to the beautification inside the school, we have this beautiful campus that surrounds the school. There are giant trees everywhere. There's a whole bunch of space. Everything just looks really pristine. It's that sepulcher effect that I talked about before of everything on the outside looking fine, but on the inside there's rot and decay. So that's kind of what this entire institution basically is. In 1956, this is when the school became the largest reform school in the nation, and it had over 700 inmates at this point. 
which is a lot because they're not utilizing all 1,400 acres. They have bunks that they're putting kids in. And I'll post a slideshow that CNN has of a few of the inspections that were done in the 50s and the 60s. One of the photos showcases um, a bunk with a whole bunch of beds lined up right next to each other. And they're basically like five inches apart from one another. So that's gross. And there's just, like, a lot of people in there. I would hate it. I would hate it. I don't like people being close to me. (laughs) At least not when I'm, like, going to bed. I'm like, don't touch me. Yes. I want to be comfortable. Anyway, so I wouldn't survive in this school is what I'm saying. Um, In 19... Yeah, well, probably not, honestly. (laughs) Okay. So in 1958, a former staffer came forward about the abuses at the school. His name is Dr. Eugene Bird, and he's a psychologist, and he testified to to a U.S. Senate committee, and he said this about all of the beatings, and I quote... The blows are very severe. They are dealt with a great deal of force with a full arm swing over his head and down with a strap, a leather strap approximately an inch and a half thick and about 10 inches long with a wooden formed handle. He would go on to call the abuse a form of sheer brutality. So they're basically being flogged constantly (laughs) is what it is. So um, after the corporal punishments were banned and the governor visited the school and all of these um, conditions started to quote unquote get better or like they wanted to make them better. Um, One of the images that I saw again during the inspections and I'll have this slideshow up there showed a really large hole in a wall and it looked like someone had just like punched through all of the like a whole wall. Or, like, something got kicked or thrown. It's a giant hole in the wall. It's, like, and the wall is, like, five inches thick. Maybe someone was escaping. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) But the hole is ginormous. And, um, like, it doesn't look like the place has been cleaned ever. It's just a disaster. And all these boys were sitting in the school without shirts on. They only had pajama pants on. Some of them didn't have shoes on. A lot of them had their heads completely shaved. It was like a a little prison for tiny little people. So, yeah, it's just not good. It's just not time. It's just, yeah. (laughs) Um, In addition to all of these other issues, they didn't have heat in the winter. And I don't know what conditions are like in northwestern Florida necessarily, but I do know that it's really humid there in the morning and then it's really, really cold at night. So if they didn't have any heat... I'm sure it was freezing in the middle of February. And like humidity mixed with cold is the, the worst. worst. It's just the worst. Like hurts your body. <laughs> exactly. So a year later, after the inspections had taken place, so in 1969, a reporter, and this is where the reporter comes in. Sorry. Is this going to be like a, um, what's that one reporter who went into the mental oh, institution? The mental, it's a girl. What's her oh my name? Gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm but, looking her up right okay, wait. now. Just tell me the first letter so I can guess it because I want to okay. know or I want to feel satisfied with knowing. Okay. N. Nelly Nelly Bly. Bly. Yes. yes. <laughs> it was like right on, on the, the tip, tip of, of your tongue. Yeah. 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 So Nelly Bly did that. She like snuck, well, she didn't really sneak. She like made up a, that she, she had a mental yeah. illness and went into a mental institution um, and exposed them. Yes. In the late 1800s. 
She was in there for like 70 plus days or something and was like, dedicated. I'm done. I have all I need for this report. Peace out. Bye. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like Nellie Bly. Is that one of those situations? No, because the school had already been exposed to a whole bunch of scandal already, but it still existed. No. But the reporter would go in and um, he would see this kid um, in solitary confinement and he had completely gone insane. So he'd been locked up there and the prison guard would say he's been in there for a really long time. And that's a direct quote from the report that was sent out um, in 2009. And the reporter said that the boy had eaten a light bulb off of the ceiling and then had broken parts of the fixture and had used them to self-harm. And nobody had done anything about it. Oh, my gosh. And the article that he wrote said nobody seemed to care. And the headline was bulldoze this bulldoze them to the ground. Oh, my God. Yeah. No. And this this was in 1969. And this institution would exist for another 50 years. This is ridiculous. Okay, okay. Yeah. So more administration changes happened after this article and after the corporal punishment was ended, but nothing really changed and people were still terrified of this facility and it had gained complete notoriety throughout the state of Florida and throughout the South. And in 1983, a Tallahassee teacher named Jack Levine, who specialized in working with delinquency cases, visited the school and talked to a boy who was locked in a cell with only PJs on, PJ bottoms. The boy said he had been sodomized by other boys using a broom handle. So guards just let that happen. (laughs) Which is just... I don't even have anything to say. Yeah, that's me neither. I think that speaks for itself how terrible that is. So Jack, the teacher, went to an attorney from ACLU (gasps) and the class action Bobby M. lawsuit was filed on behalf of the students at the Mariana School and two other state reform schools. So the suit made a number of allegations, the most serious concerning isolation cells where boys were held for three weeks, sometimes longer. They were hogtied, forced to lie on their stomachs with their wrists and their ankles shackled together behind their backs. When was this lawsuit? 1990 or 1983. 83. Oh. The suit was in the courts for, um and it went through like three different governors. So it was in there for a really long time. Superintendent uh Lennox Williams was transferred and he was also heavily involved in the beatings that occurred on campus in the 50s and the 60s, so he was also associated with Terry Tidwell, who was doing all of the other beatings, mm-hmm. or the one-armed man. <laughs> um, <laughs> on the- I feel like he just hates that so much. Yeah, probably. But it's fine, because we don't like you. you. I mean, he beat children. You're I allowed mean, to. I do not care about we your feelings. Call you a one-armed man if we yes, want to. if we want. So on the <laughs> eve of the 1987 trial, the state settled, agreeing to sharply reduce the population at Dozer and other juvenile institutions, Quote, these reforms launched Florida into a new and progressive era in the way we treat young offenders. And that was said by <laughs> HRS Secretary Gregory Cooler around that time. It's not going to happen, guys. Uh, I have zero respect for yes. any of these people. So because in 1994, when the population cap had been reached and the boys were being moved, one of the inmates escaped and ended up killing two people while he escaped, two British tourists. 
So this affected the way that the state saw this law, and it was reversed because the transfer had led to the death of two different people. So they're like, no, we're not doing the population cap anymore. So from, That has nothing to do with the population cap. Exactly. Oh it, my had God. To, it had to do with the singular inmate that you've been beating to death yes. and probably thinks it's totally fine to kill two people who got in his way. Uh, okay. So that was reversed. Um, so clearly all of the policies that had been implemented after this um, lawsuit, lawsuit had been filed didn't even matter anymore. And from July 2004 to March 2009, the Department of Children and Families investigated 316 allegations of abuses at the school, according to documents obtained by the St. Petersburg Times. 17 of those were verified and 33 had some indicators of legitimacy. So these men were not being taken seriously whatsoever. And yet 316 of them came forward with very similar cases as to abuse that was happening on the grounds of this school. Well, if you're a prisoner, you're a second class citizen here in the United States. States. And we don't care what you say. Yeah, which is so terrible. But one of the abuses was caught on camera. Yes. By a journalist? No. Oh. Caught on camera by the cameras in the facility. And you can watch it. It's on YouTube. (gasps) I watched it. It's pretty terrible. It's hard to see, though, because one of the cameras has been compromised. Someone has smeared, like, Vaseline over it so that you can't see what's happening. Of course. So it's really hard to discern what's going on. And there's a blind spot. So there's three different camera angles, and you can watch it from all three. But there's a blind spot in all three of them, and that's where it happens. Can I see it? Yes. Okay. Okay. So we watched the video. I showed Randy one of the camera angles. There are three. It's really hard to see, like I said before. Um, so what were your thoughts? Okay, two things. One, I, I feel like the most disturbing thing in that video wasn't even the beating. It was more of the kid sitting right there, like, reading his book and walking by like it was a completely normal occurrence. I agree. Like, that's really telling of how normalized this was in this institution. But then secondly, this again reminds me of the Stanford prison experiment by Philip Zimbardo because... The other guard who's just kind of like walking into the room just completely joins into the beating like he's like, oh, OK, we're beating up this kid. Like, oh, OK, cool. I'll join in. And that's what the experiment, however flawed it was, demonstrated the kind of gang mentality that comes with the guard inmate dichotomy. And mm-hmm. that's really interesting, too, is that like I could totally see these guards in this prison are kind of being like maybe against it at first or shocked by some of the occurrences but eventually kind of joining in with the group and feeling more empowered to join in and like it was okay yeah that's such a good observation and I didn't even really notice that before because I was so hyper focused on the kid that was just sitting there he literally looks over a couple times and it's almost like he's tr- he is thinking about going yeah. and helping him but then he just rejects it and goes back into this very crouched slouched position and he's very defeated almost watching another inmate get beaten and then he gets up and just walks by him yeah like he's he doesn't leaving. do anything and at this point the um the other inmate his name is Justin is on the ground and is out. Yeah, he's not even moving. He gets knocked out. He looks like a dead body. Yes, it's pretty terrifying. Yeah, so I'll link one of the more clear... um, That one? 
Yeah, so I'll link the one that Randy and I watched just from that perspective. There are two others if some if you guys want to go and watch well, the other ones. Well, you can kind of but... see. I mean, I was kind of glad that it wasn't fully in frame because it's so disturbing. But yes. you can it, you can see like arms and legs, you know, out of the corner. So it's clear that they were like, you know, tussling around and yeah, it was getting they were getting serious. <laughs> yep, exactly. So. Um, that video is from 2007. So that's pretty Ugh, recent. No. Um, yeah. So that's how often these things were occurring, unfortunately, and how frequently they were occurring. And despite all of these reforms that apparently happened to the reform school, <laughs> nothing got done. So we're going to wrap up this part really quick and then we'll do a short little part four to kind of close out the episode. But Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you in part four. (laughs) Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Bye. Bye.